John chapter 3, if you have your Bible, you can turn there with me if you're not there already. How can you know you've been born again? was the question I told you we would be talking about tonight. How can you know you've been born again? Let's look again at John chapter 3, kind of get back to the foundation of the text that we were looking at this morning, verses 1 through 8, and the conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus. Verse 1 says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Jesus made it clear that what Nicodemus needed was to to have new life. He needed to be born again. He needed to be, uh, the scriptures call it regeneration. He needed to be regenerated We heard here Jesus explain being born again as being born of water and the Spirit. And that is nothing like your first birth. That was nothing like Nicodemus' first birth. And so he was a bit stunned and, and surprised at what Jesus was saying and puzzled at what Jesus was saying. Being born again happens, and Nicodemus needed to understand this, it happens because the Holy Spirit convicts you of your need for a Savior, and His Word, the Bible, opens your eyes. The Holy Spirit, with His Word, opens your eyes, giving you faith to see who Jesus is, and then you believe in Him. That's being born again. But that work is all God's. You have a responsibility. The responsibility is repent and believe. Believe. Turn from your sin and believe. That's being born again, and that is a work the Holy Spirit of God begins in you and does in you, and only He can do it in you. So if you've been born again, if you've been regenerated by the Holy Spirit, will there be any evidence in your life of this being born again that will assure you of your rebirth, of your new birth, your second birth? And I would say, certainly, there is evidence, certainly. And God's Word is clear that if you are born again, there will be evidence in your life of your regeneration. There will be evidence that you ought to be able to recognize and others ought to be able to recognize also. So tonight I want to consider what the evidence should look like. What should the evidence look like that will assure you that you are God's child What will the evidence look like that will assure you that you are God's 
child, that you have been made new, that you are born again. Uh, before we dig into that, I, I, I want to mention, I just want to caution you about a couple of things. Uh, something you ought not lean on when thinking about your salvation, you're being born again. This is something you ought not lean on for assurance that you are born again. And this is what Jesus was making plain to Nicodemus. Nicodemus was resting his, his confidence as, of being part of the kingdom of God on all the wrong things. And so Jesus was trying to give him the, the straight way, the straight path to being born again. This was not something he could work for or attain for himself, and he needed to know that. And in that light, there are some things that we need to know and, and be aware of and be and beware of. And, uh, uh, beware of letting them give us false assurance. This is what Colossians 2.13 makes clear when speaking of believers, we hear this. Colossians 2.13, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him. That's with Christ. Uh, Jesus rose from the dead and you're made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. That is not something you can do yourself. Not something you can make for yourself. If you're born again, God made you alive together with Christ. And God had to do this because you and I were dead in our trespasses and the uncircumcision, uncircumcision of our flesh, the sinfulness of our flesh. Dead in our sins without Christ. So here are a couple of points of caution. You cannot lean on the fact that you've worked long and hard in the church for many years as an assurance that you're born again. You cannot lean on that fact that you have given yourself maybe to serve in the church. Maybe you've been a part of the church from your youngest years or, or maybe you came, uh, came to church in your later years and you threw yourself into the work of the church and you've given yourself to the church. But is that where you find your confidence in Christ? That cannot be. That cannot be where you find your confidence in Christ. It is a, uh, don't get me wrong, I'm going to talk about being faithful and serving and honoring the Lord with your obedience here in a moment, but, but if you're resting solely on the fact that you've been a part of a church or you happen to be a member of a church, that's not where you should find your confidence that you were born again. You cannot lean on the fact that you've tried to be a good person. You cannot be born again by working for the purpose of earning God's or man's approval. In fact, that was Nicodemus. He thought he was, he thought he was good to go, as we say. He thought he was good. Secure. It's interesting, though, that he came to Jesus inquiring of him. If he, was, if he was absolutely certain, why did he come inquiring of Jesus? He realized he was still missing something, and that is a work of the Spirit of God. It's interesting that he came inquiring of Jesus. The next caution is about your giving. I would caution you about this. Maybe you've been in a church and you've, and you've uh, decided that I'm going to give to the church, and there are some who would rest their assurance in Christ on, their, on the fact that they're generous givers. You cannot do that. God's Word is clear about this. You cannot earn your way into God's grace. It is a gift from God. So you cannot lean on the fact that you've given a lot of money to God's work over the years. You cannot be born again. 
You cannot be a part of the kingdom of God by generous giving for the hope that you'll gain God's or, or man's approval. This is one of the reasons that, that we're uh, cautious about how we receive offerings and how we give offerings. It's one of the reasons we try to do our giving without drawing attention to ourselves uh, with our giving. But you will not gain God's approval with your giving. The giving is an act of worship. It's something that should flow, be an overflow of your heart that you do joyfully and willingly and not out of compulsion. You should not feel like you're having your arm twisted when we pass the offering plates. If you do feel like you're having your arm twisted because uh, you're, you're feeling like we, you know, we, we expect you to give or make you, God doesn't actually need our resources. He, they're all His. He can figure out how to sustain this work without us. So he wants us to be joyful and cheerful givers and to give in such a way as we're not trying to gain approval from man and we're absolutely not trying to gain approval from God. Galatians 2.16 points to this truth when it says, uh, Galatians 2.16, Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus... You hear that? Believed. We have that responsibility. Believe in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works. Works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Now, having given you just a couple of cautions, and you can take those cautions and really kind of apply that those principles to all kinds of other things that you might that people might think of or maybe you're thinking of that, that might justify you before God and, and you need to disqualify them as those things that give you assurance of your salvation. Uh, anything that's apart from repentance of sin and belief in Jesus Christ and faith in Him alone. And you need to set those things aside. Uh, they cannot give you assurance that you are born again. So what should the evidence look like that you are born again? And let me start with this. I'm going to call this the witness of the Spirit. The witness of the Holy Spirit. I'll explain that thought in a moment, but let's, let's go look at uh, 1 John 4. You want to go with me to 1 John 4? 1 John 4 and go to verse 13. The first evidence you should recognize in your life we could call the witness of the Spirit. The witness of the Spirit or Holy Spirit, Spirit of God. And as you turn to 1 John 4, 13, 1 John 4, 11, points to the fact that if you're born again, you have been given the Spirit of God. And this passage points to the evidence that you have the Spirit of God in you. Look at the passage, and I'll point to it as we go, kind of pause as we go here, reading several verses beginning 1 John 1 John 4. I'm actually going to back up to verse 11. 1 John 4, 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in Him and He in us, because He has given us of His Spirit." 
Now, what's the evidence here? I would suggest that the evidence here, one of the evidences here is this, this love for other believers. A genuine love and concern for other believers. There's evidence that you are born again, that you have the Spirit of God working in you if you're growing in your love for your brothers and sisters in Christ in the, in the church. So love for your brothers and sisters in Christ. It's, it's a work of the Holy Spirit in you, and it's a witness of the Spirit in you. To, if you see that, that growing love, growing in your life for your brothers and sisters in Christ, it's evidence that you're born again. Uh, now continue on with me here. Look at verse 14. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love, abides in God, and God abides in him. So what's the evidence here? Verse 14 says that if you are born again, you will recognize and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And verse 15 drives that point home that that whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. It's God's Spirit in you. If God's Spirit is in you, you're going to come to know and to believe the love that God has for you. Have you become convinced of that? Um, Not to suggest that, that we don't have these fleeting Uh, temptations to doubt God's love for us. At times we think that, don't we? God, do you really love me? You wouldn't let me go through this, would you? And and, it's so hard, isn't it, when we face hardship and difficulty and and pain and sorrow and grief and loss, and sometimes we lash out at God. We should not do that, certainly not, but sometimes we're tempted to. We're tempted to think that God doesn't love us. That's, I don't think that, that, that's what this is talking about. What this is talking about is if you've come to the point where you realize who the Lord Jesus Christ is and who God is, and you confess that Jesus is the Son of God, and I believe in Him as the only way to forgiveness of sins, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. If God's Spirit is at work in you, you're going to be convinced. You're going to trust the Word. You're going to trust the Bible. You're going to believe the Bible, that God is who He says He is, and that Jesus is the Son of God. There's another piece of evidence here for you if you've been born again. Verse 17 says, look at verse 17. By this is love perfected with us, so that, note this, By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as He is, so also are we in this world. You realize God wants you to be confident about your your salvation? He wants you to be confident about your born-again status? If you've trusted in Jesus Christ and you're born again, He wants you to be confident for the day of judgment. 
The evidence of growing love for your brothers and sisters in Christ is God working in you, growing His love in you. And the outworking of that growing love gives you assurance that you are born again and gives you confidence for the day of judgment so that you need not fear the coming of the Lord. So maybe we could put it this way. Do you sense, you have a sense that you truly want to live to please the Lord? I'm not saying, do you always live to please the Lord? I'm saying, do you have a sense in your, your desire? You have a sense that I want to please the Lord with my life. I want to honor Him. I want to obey Him. You have a sense that God's Spirit is at work in you, helping you, even if it's a little by little, even if it's two steps forward and one step back. It feels like that, doesn't it, sometimes in our spiritual lives, where you feel like, I, I'm just making these great strides. And then you have this period where you feel like, what in the world's going on with my life? I can't be honoring the Lord right now. But do you have a sense that God's Spirit is at work in you, giving you faith to believe His Word, giving you confidence to, to know that you're ready to face uh, Christ on the day of the Lord? And uh, Do you have a sense that God's Spirit is at work in you, strengthening your desire to obey Him? Romans 8.16 says it like this, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And so it's, it's this, I, I believe, to kind of put it in those terms of having a sense that I'm, I do desire to honor the Lord. I do believe His Word. I do believe who Jesus is. And I, I put my faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know that the Holy Spirit is working in me. That's a work of the Spirit. That's the witness of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That's the witness of the Holy Spirit. Next, another part of the evidence of the witness of the Spirit is that God is producing in you the other character traits of the fruit of the Spirit. We've talked about love, love for your brothers and sisters in Christ. We've already talked about that, that growing love for your fellow believers. But Paul points to all of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, and we know these verses well. Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against those things. There is no law. And um, when we've touched on these before, I've uh, tried to encourage you to think about those as not individual characteristics that you will be um, you will have 100% of this, this fruit, maybe it's peace or joy, and, and maybe only 10% of self-control. When God is working in you, He's working to build up all this, this. You could think of it as one fruit, all of this fruit in your life. And, and yet, you, you may feel that, that you have different levels of spiritual maturity in some of the, these areas. God is, desires for you to be fully mature in all of these areas. And this is not suggesting perfection, on the other hand. It's not suggesting perfection in all of these areas. But, but we're talking about signs of evidence that this fruit of the Spirit is growing in you. Is the fruit of the Spirit growing in you? So do you recognize the attitudes of your heart are changing to align 
with the fruit of the Spirit, with the way God's Word describes that He wants His children to to learn and grow and behave and become more Christ-like. You might know this, you might recognize this, you might not, but uh, do others who are close to you recognize? Could they point at you and say, you're not the person you were 10 years ago? That's encouraging, in fact, to have someone say, you're not the person you were 10 years ago, or you're not the person you were five years ago, or you're changing this, I see you changing this year. Do you recognize the attitudes of your heart changing, becoming more, uh, more biblical, more Christ-like, uh, with aligning with the fruit of the Spirit? And do others recognize that you're growing in these areas? And again, we're not talking about spiritual perfection, but we're talking about progress, making progress in the faith. This is the kind of spiritual growth in your walk with Christ that cannot be faked. I, I'm grateful for the biblical terminology that when we think of the walk of the, the a walk of faith, it's not a it's not a static thing. It's not a stationary thing. It's a walk. You're going somewhere. You're making progress as you walk with Christ, and um, and along with those who are closest to you, seeing those changes, do are they seeing a difference in you? Are they seeing that you're not, they see you're not perfect, but they see you're coming along with Christ. Now, what does this look like uh, when you're born again and the fruit of the Spirit is growing in you? Uh, one way to consider is to, to think of it this way. Does your presence, does your presence encourage people or discourage people? <laughs> that's, a, that's a hard one, isn't it? Does your presence encourage people and build people up in the church? Are people happy to see you come through the doors of the church or do they go, oh no, here comes, no. This is so important. Your conversations, your attitudes, even the way you pray. Have you ever thought about that? When we gather together and we pray out loud together, even the things that you pray for, the way that you pray for them, your speech, your conduct, does it encourage other believers? Does it, does it edify? In other words, does it build up and strengthen in the faith, uh, the faith of other believers? Uh, does it encourage believers that you're here and that, you, um, that you're in their presence? So this is so important. Listen to how Matthew 7, uh, verses 16 through 20, speaks of this when warning about false teachers. You, you might have never thought about this in light of uh, your own walk with Christ and how you can be an encouragement to other people. But listen to this. Matthew 7, if you want to go there and look at it, Matthew 7 and verse 16 speaks of this when warning about false teachers. Matthew 7 and verse 16. And this can tie back into the thought of, do people are people seeing the fruit of the Spirit maturing, growing in you? You will recognize them. This is speaking about false teachers. You will recognize them by their fruits. How so? Well, like this. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes? Nope. No. Or figs from thistles. No. Verse 17. So every healthy tree bears good fruit. Are you a healthy tree? Matthew's trying to help us understand how to identify false teachers. An unhealthy tree. But are you a healthy tree? Every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit. Nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree 
that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Again, speaking of false teachers. But think of this. If you aren't growing with the Spirit at work in you, with the Word of God in hand and in your heart, you could have reason to doubt whether you're born again. Your life could even be like that of a false teacher. When you, you say, oh, I believe the Bible, but you don't live like you believe the Bible. Your life could be like that of a false teacher if, you're, if you are, let's say you are born again, and yet you're not pursuing faithful and steady growth in the Lord. Your life could be like one of a false teacher leading people astray rather than encouraging them toward Christ and building people up in their faith. So do you encourage and build others up or do you discourage and tear them down? Here's another piece of evidence that I'd classify with the witness of the Spirit. Are you, are you continuing to believe and accept the sound teaching of the church? From God's Word, sound teaching from God's Word. Are you continuing to believe the Bible? Do you keep, are you still believing the Bible? Are you accepting, as, as from God to you, the sound teaching of God's Word? God's Word makes it clear that those who deny major doctrines, major doctrines of the faith, people who deny those are showing signs that they are not in the faith at all. Uh, they're likely not born again. Uh, listen to 1 John 2, verses 23 and 24, describing it like this. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. Uh, I'll say it like this. Believer, is that you? Believer, Stay in the Word. Make sure the Word stays in you. Feed your heart and soul and mind, your very life, with the Word of God. Do you believe the Word? Are you still believing the Word? Even when it steps on your toes, even when the preacher says something that happens to step on your toes, even when you're reading along on your own in God's Word and God's Word steps on your toes and you realize, ah, I need to change that. Are you still believing the Word? Or are you going to change it for your sake? Believer, stay in the Word. Keep believing the truth of the Bible. Keep putting yourself in church under the sound teaching of the Bible. After warning about false teachers, 1 John 4, verses 4-6 through 6 says to believers, Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Therefore, they are, they are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Listen, the sound biblical teaching of the word God has ordained in the church for your spiritual good, 
for your spiritual welfare. And um, beware when you find yourself saying, I'd rather not go to church today, or I don't want to hear another sermon today, or I don't want to be with God's people today because God intends for your spiritual good, for you to be together with God's people and for you to submit yourself to the sound teaching of the truth of God's word. That leads us to another evidence that you're born again. And I would call this a present and ongoing relationship with Christ. A present and ongoing relationship with Christ. I think John 15, I'm going to read to you verses 4 and verse 7. John 15, 4 and 7 points to this clearly. When it explains that your relationship with Christ will flourish as you feed on the word. Uh, uh, John 15 and verse 4, Abide in me. That's our responsibility. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 7, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Now, this will inform our prayer lives. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. What God is saying, what His Word is saying, is that when, when my Word abides in you, your desires are going to align with my desires. And whatever you pray is actually what, what I want because your desires are lining up with my desires. And when you pray in accordance with the way God wants things done, things are done, it will be done for you. Abide in me, though. That's the key, isn't it? That's our responsibility. God's responsibility is abiding in us. We have that. The Spirit's poured into our hearts. That will not change if we're God's child, but our, our burden, our responsibility is to abide in Him. So I say a present and ongoing relationship with Christ. Again, not... Maybe it's not a perfect relationship with Christ. You still face temptation and sin, but are you you still walking with Christ? What does it mean to abide in Christ? I want you to think about this. It means that you you have this ongoing and a growing relationship with Christ where you're daily trusting in Him. Uh, You're reading the Word. You're feeding on the Bible. And you're seeking regular fellowship with the Lord in prayer. You're seeking regular fellowship with, in the worship with God's people. So important. So an ongoing, a present and ongoing relationship with Christ, one where you are still pursuing the truth of the Word, still pursuing being with God's people, seeking to make daily progress in your faith, in your walk with Christ. And then that leads us to another evidence that you are born again. It's, I'll, I'll say it this way, it's ongoing obedience. Ongoing obedience. Listen to this warning that points to this in 1 John 2. 1 John 2, verses 4 through 6. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in Him. Whoever says he abides in Him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. 
Are we going to be perfect in our walk with Christ this side of heaven? No. But we aren't going to go off and say, well, I've been saved by grace and God is patient and forgiving and I'm just going to live any way I want. No, we won't. Not if you're born again. The Holy Spirit will convict your heart and you may have periods of sin in your life, but you're going to, you're going to turn back to Him. Whoever says, I know Him, but does not keep His commandments, doesn't make a practice of obeying the Lord. If you make a practice of disobeying, there's good reason for you to doubt whether you're born again. If you never repent, if you, if you just live however you want because, hey, I'm born again, I'm, I'm saved, I go to church, I, you know, I'm going to be all right. It's not how it works. God wants you to walk with Him. By this, we know that we are in Him. Whoever says He abides in Him ought to walk in the same way in which Christ walked. Again, this is not suggesting perfection. But what you learn from God's Word here is that your life ought to be one of of a pursuit of imitating Christ. A pursuit of being more like Christ today than you were yesterday. More more this week than you were last week. More this month than you were last month. And if you've been born again, if you have genuine saving faith, then the result will be ongoing obedience. Not sinless perfection, but the pursuit of ongoing obedience. Uh, Author Eugene Peterson wrote a book about this, uh, about a life of uh, discipleship, that is, uh, being a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ and growing in Christ and walking with Christ, faithfully growing in Christ. The title of the book, I think, says it all. In fact, the line is not his, but but he borrowed it and made it the title of his book. It's called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. That's a, a life committed to ongoing obedience, a long obedience. Are you devoted to, for the rest of your life, obeying the Lord? A long obedience, going in the same direction with your obedience toward Christ. A long obedience in the same direction, that's ongoing obedience. First John 3, verses 9 and 10 is helpful here, I think, when it says, No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. This is why we hear this. In James 2, verses 17 and 18, uh, James 2, 17. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, obedience, right? Works is obedience. Good works is being obedient to God's word. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. And James says, show me your faith apart from your works. And I will show you my faith by my works. Why do we obey? Is it to earn God's approval? Nope. We have it. It's in Christ. God's approval is he looks at the son and says, you are approved because Jesus took the, uh, took the penalty for your sin. So we don't need to earn God's approval. Why do we obey? Because he is changing us. If we have the spirit, we want to obey. We want to please God. We want to 
give him the joy of looking at us one day and having saying, said, well done, good and faithful servant. And so do you want to know, uh, as you think about this, do you want to know what the evidence of being born again is? It's this love of God growing in you that shows itself in the growing fruit of the Spirit. Is the fruit of the Spirit growing in you? It's a growing love for others. Are you growing in your love for your brothers and sisters in Christ and love for unbelievers? It's not just believers that you ought to be growing in your love for, but when you see unbelievers that you know need the Lord, are you growing in your love for them so that you share the love of Christ with them? And is it it's growing a love for your Bible? Do you love God's Word? Are you growing in your love for God's church? Are you growing in your love for being taught the Word when you have that opportunity to sit under the teaching and sound preaching of the Word? And is it your desire? And are you pursuing? Are you making a practice of obedience, obeying God's word? Those kinds of things help you know that you're born again. And um, it's so helpful, isn't it, to be to be encouraged by God's word and to have this confidence that's ours that we're ready for the day of the Lord, even if we struggle from day to day in our walk with Christ. We can be confident in Christ if we see these signs of uh, spiritual growth and spiritual maturity. I can thank the Lord uh, for his word to give us this, this help tonight.